0: Two, ready, one. Hello, and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA.
1: I did not get a proper cough break before we rolled wow. this recording.
0: Also joining us, the director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer.
1: I'm sorry for your lack of cough break. Well, at least someone is. Yeah.
0: <sighs> Glenn's coughing. Jed's <laughs> eating banana during the intro. Yep. <laughs> as again, again, as ever, play the fun game for yourself. Which is the one they recorded second? Join us all the way from not Tennessee, one of the Pastor Cresby <laughs> Church, Lee Younger. Happy to be here. Well, that makes one of us. All right. <laughs> We're going to answer some great questions that came in tonight. But first, we must look to the Twitters, as we often do, to find... An emergency. What? Wow. Not the normal kind of Twitter emergency where I wake up in the morning and check my phone to see what the people are tweeting about and then throw my phone across the room and sit in the fetal position for the next several hours. <laughs> That's a certain type of Twitter emergency, but this is a different type of Twitter emergency. This comes in from Miss Guinevere, super fan, who, says, who uh, writes in that she was asked to do a sharing, a lesson at the right. church yeah. on last minute notice. Quickly agreed, said sure, and then it's the little, you know, with the stars to indicate action, quickly scrolls through at the Bridge Chicago podcast for ideas, which is great. Again, we encourage the stealing. Please, all you want to. Please do. If anything, by uh, tweeting in a way that none of your uh, people are going to read, you're almost bordering on giving us too much credit.
1: That's right.
0: So we do have the Bridge podcast. It comes out every Monday. You can check it out on the iTunes. It's probably, in whatever podcatcher you're using right here, it's probably down there in the related section, because mm, we also yeah. put that out. Mm. So that's got the sermons from our bridge service, as you might imagine. But uh, I thought it might be helpful because we love that the people are using those. That's that's yeah. awesome. We, we appreciate Miss Guidover, a big fan of her and her work. So got that. And maybe other people would like to do that. Sure. But also, uh, you know, not everything makes it to air. We've right. got some ideas that are, you know, they're in the in progress pile.
1: <laughs>
0: the the yeah. cast offs, if you will. And maybe yeah. if you've already burned through all the other stuff or you just feel like you can improve this, you know. Right. I thought maybe we could throw out some ideas for if, you, if you're last minute, if you got to, you know, do, you forgot you had children's church this morning, or, you know, you got to come up with something to say during the small group. Just a little right. a little something off the top. And Glenn, do you have any suggestions for us? Well,
1: I think uh, uh, really maybe a whole sermon series on Song of Solomon. Yeah. Really focusing on the <laughs> naughty parts. Okay. <laughs> it's
0: pretty much all the naughty parts.
1: Yeah, just getting into it. Okay. Just
0: comparing just, things to deer
1: you you okay. could say uh you know sermon series after dark ooh <laughs> you know just to, like a lone saxophone playing in the background sure. while you're preaching <laughs> you know that kind of yeah turn the lights down
0: <laughs> yeah yeah. You know the, the the evening service uh worship band is just a single bass drum an organ and a sax
1: that's yeah, right that's right and then you know ladies take communion for free <laughs> <laughs> see that's why that's on the rejected part yeah, it right. is it yeah we, we haven't figured that one out so that's you know so there's a there's a lot of those that didn't quite work out
0: yeah because it's ladies night and the sacraments right um so yeah i mean there's that there's all they're, they're very um there's uh, you know classic genre of these which is um really the kind of this is more the small group setting which is the I'm just so awesome that it's becoming a burden. Sure. Yes. Wow. Yes. It's like, yeah, you know, there's just a lot going on at work and I've got like all these people want to sit down with me and just, you know, this is, I just want to make sure I give them all my, my full attention. Cause that's what they want. they want right a lot of me. I got, you know, family stuff. It's going great. Right. My family's awesome you now. Right. But so it's just hard to spend enough time with them for being right. so awesome. So right. between everything going great at work and, all the people want my input on their life and the, and the family stuff. It's just, y'all need to pray for me.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no one wants to hear any of that. Yeah, it's especially good <laughs> if you
0: can, like, kind of surgically identify things that are problems for the other people in the room. Right. Yeah. Maybe who went before you, like you're doing the go-around and do prayer requests. It's well, maybe, like,
1: maybe that in itself is a great sermon idea, just pointing out people's <laughs> flaws. <laughs> yeah, that's, we can do that. Yeah. First on the list, Billy. Billy, look at you. <laughs> A
0: 200-part sermon series. Week one, Bill. What's this deal? <laughs> Bill. Come back next week for Karen. I think we've all had enough.
1: <laughs> Bill, did you get dressed in the dark? What's going on, buddy? I'm just, you know. The amount of enjoyment Jed Brewer is experiencing
2: right now is just is just well, over the top. This is fantastic. This is
0: the church, This is the <laughs> servant series version of one of our one of Jed's favorite bits we've ever done, which is the board game "Cruel Charades." Yes, right, yes. Which, to remind longtime listeners, we've often referred to things as a cruel charade, right? Which gave us the idea for from Hasbro "Cruel Charades." <laughs> Where it is your job to act out someone else who is in the room, (laughs) and everyone has to guess who. Uh, So you start like twitching a little bit and kind of smelling your arm, like making a pu (laughs) face, and people are like, "Dan, that's Dan, you're being Dan." Yeah. Yeah. But
2: I feel like there's this is also this is also illustrative of the of something we've heard a lot on the podcast, which is just how many churches Jed has been to. Oh, and dude. how much people, how many people he would have loved to have called out in this direct manner?
3: Yes, yes. That's it's. There's a lot of healing going on right now. That's right. really the
2: key thing to
1: note. Well, I, I I think just a series of bad jokes and say the phrase "boom roasted." Yeah, after each yeah one. that's pretty good. <laughs> <you know, laughs> just go is. through it because a lot of these sermons they make fun or or say bad nasty things about people who aren't there. Right, that right. That have like other things or struggles or right causes or whatever that they're on but i i think just do the same thing at
3: the people in the room just the
1: people in the room yeah hey bill nice shirt does it come in men's sizes <laughs> that kind of you know boom sure. roasted boom yeah. roasted <laughs>
0: that absolutely that's that's fine well i think there's a sub there of again this is things that because you, you may hear in the weirdness of our voices dear listener uh your, your old friends on the Sat podcast Hear a lot of sermons, yeah, in the course yeah. of their day to day life. So, uh, one of the uh, the other key subgenres which you could spin off of this is the just really somebody told this pastor like you should use humor to loosen up the people. Mm-hmm. So instead of like here's a thing about the topic I'm talking about, and here's a humorous situation which may rise from that. There's right. just like, you know. I heard a story once about a horse that walked into a bar. Anyway, the book of Timothy. And it's like, it's real disjointed. And it's kind of like, did you get, did you print out an old transcript of hee-haw and like put that in your sermon notes? What's going on? But you could take that to its most logical extreme and just start doing old vaudeville bits. Right. (laughs) That just, you know, you're, you're 17 and you're in the youth group, but you start talking about how your wife spends too much money at Dillard's or whatever yeah, right, and be like, yeah. what does this even have to do with anything? You're like, right. yeah, it's, 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 I'm, it's, I'm going somewhere with this. Right. <laughs> yeah. And just never land. Yeah.
1: There.
2: Yeah. One of the things on the reject pile, it occurs to me is just, uh, you know, from a pastor's point of view is just like uh biblical vengeance for all the people who are driving me nuts. Oh, wow. Okay. Where oh, okay. Okay. you just like go it. ahead and spell out. Uh, okay. So for the person that's doing this over and over and over again, uh, I am actively praying that you get dashed against the rocks. Wow! Oh, yeah. you're talking
3: about an imprecatory prayer series. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Nice. Sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, Glenn has done a version of that, which is the uh, the story of the bears eating the people, making fun of Elisha for being bald. <laughs> yeah, has been preached yeah. at the bridge. Yeah, every, on every time somebody mentions occasions. that
1: baldness, I I I bring up that Bible verse and preach it. That's good. That's good. Yeah.
0: So I think praying for more bear attacks—that's good.
1: Yeah. Well, I have cursed people from from not said a curse word, but placed a curse upon. Place, them. Sure. Curse. I do that in sermons all the time. You gotta try it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Spin yeah. that as a lesson. I think there there's definitely something there.
1: Yeah. You do you do this. This is going to happen to you. Watch. You know. That's how cursed. Boom. You know, roasted. Boom. Boom. Cursed. Yeah. Whatever there you go. Yo, we <laughs> just,
0: Well, and we we have a favorite around here of the the concept of the unspoken prayer request. So could you get away with, I have an unspoken lesson for this Bible study? Definitely. And then you say that, like, I have an unspoken lesson. Then when someone says, "What well, should we pray? Yeah, I'm not done yet. Right. Or you just sit there for like five minutes of silence.
1: Well, you know, another thing that you could do, you know, like a, a lot of these sermon series, it's like, we want to do something. And so we have a campaign. Ah. And then the sermon series relates to the campaign. So it's like, yeah. we want to have a new building, so we... The
0: Tabernacle, a we, sermon
1: series. We, yeah, we have a sermon series like, you know... Building the house of God. Yeah, catch, yeah exactly. Catch the vision. Sure. And get get on the, the building to better things, you know, whatever it is. Right. Okay. But so what you could do is just suggest some amazing initiatives that we could get on. Right you know, whatever it is, you know, building, that's been done. Sure. You know, so let's say, like, you know how you have mega churches and stuff? Sure, yeah, yeah. Well, you can start a mega Bible study. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Now, I'm not there. You got to, I'm on the screen. Sure, absolutely. Jumbotron. Yeah, absolutely. Well,
0: that's what makes it mega.
1: <laughs> now, you can't just get that at your house. You got to go to a building sure. to see it on the TV. Yes. Because that's how, that's how that goes. But uh, then we, we yeah, it's a mega Bible study. I like it. Just just you know, just keep rolling out these brilliant ideas and see what happens, you know. <laughs> right, right.
3: The the thing that I keep trying to get someone to give me the option to do, and I think this relates to exactly what you're saying, is rolling out obvious heresy and seeing if anyone will call it. Right. Nice. So for example, my my new teaching series, God and Mammon, learning to serve both. Yeah. And just see how long could we have that before someone would actually speak up and say something. <laughs>
0: Based on the careers of certain uh, successful financial Christian writers, I'd say a long time. <laughs> <laughs> here's a thing that's exactly the opposite of what the Bible says. I say it's good. Well, but here's the th- here's the trick on the end of that is you can do that whole thing. You do the whole forty-five minute lesson on you know serving God and other masters, and if no one calls you on it, and it's church, they won't. You flip the whole thing by the last two minutes. Is aha. This has been a lesson about false teaching. Right. (laughs) None of you even said anything. I gotcha.
1: Yeah. I like it. And then you smite them. Right. (laughs) If there's time. If you get like a jawbone of a donkey... And just sure. go to town, start waylaying.
0: <laughs> I like yeah. the idea of Glenn having a church, but you know, in some churches, you walk in and they have like the ram's horn, some lovely yeah, yeah. Instead of that, it, it's the donkey. It's the jawbone of a donkey. You yeah, know,
3: I would go to that church. Me too.
0: I gotta be honest. <laughs> Pastor just walks up there, Melee slapping church. it into his hand. Like yeah, a bat. yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Because that gets you attention right there. Yeah, you're focused now. Yeah, you know if what there,
3: I mean? if I walked into the church and the dude has, you know, like full on Samson hair,
2: right, right. Yeah.
3: Andy's got the jawbone. I'm interested. Right. Sure. I'm intrigued. I want to see
2: where this see, goes. Exactly. We're just going to see how this plays out. Yeah.
1: Well, so. you know, what What often happens in, in our ministry is uh, we have a, a kitchen uh, captain, right? kitchen coordinator, uh, who is an, sure. al- one of my Kitchen favorite- field marshal. She is one of my favorite human beings on the face. That's because she's you. Yeah, we're You're very the same person. We're very much alike. This Miss Patricia Jackson. She's been around this church quite a little while. She's kind of an institution. She's she's amazing. She's also a little bit rough. Really? Yeah, she's a little she's a little rough
0: in the sense that using sandpaper as toilet paper would be a little <laughs> bit rough.
1: That's correct. <laughs> That the, she she doesn't mean anything about like that. I mean she's a sweetheart underneath, but she's just rough, you know. And I find her
0: opening it, bid is always very strong.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I find this hilarious. So my, one of my favorite things is she'll be yelling at somebody, and I'll go in there and and root for her to get them right and like egg her on yes. more. Like yes, that's get them, get Do him, it, tell him, tell. Him, <laughs> And then she'll get to laughing at me. She can't chew anybody out properly, but you know, I think if you had a pastor like that, it's sort of like professional wrestling. Sure, you're you're wow. saying go smite him. That's you right, know, smite him, handing em. him chairs and whatnot. Yeah, that's right.
0: Okay, okay.
2: you just you just uh, you landed on something right there. I love the idea of just the professional wrestling you know sermon series where you've yep. got the the repeater lines you've got the intro music the yep. whole thing the smoke the lights everything yep. and you just have like the like the 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 pre-match you know tell offs you got yes. a couple yep. of different mega church pastors and they've got their little lines that they say the little rhymes and everything and they just have the pre-match kind of tell off that's dude. amazing
1: dude Liturgical drama, yes. David versus Goliath, yes. Right. You got the the pre like he's saying pre show uh, sure, yeah, face and the heel, us, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it's like they're going back and forth, and then they come out and rassle, yeah. Now that, that's church. That's some church. I would go to that church. We have, we just we just took it to the next level.
0: There's there's no amount of money I would not pay to watch <laughs> insert mega church pastor here eat a pile driver. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I would you could have all my money for that. That is a fact. Boom, and, roasted. <laughs> as
0: ever, we uh we uh we opened with what are some ideas people might have for the uh, the small group study we came up with uh uh aggression heresy and physical <laughs> violence right and if you're surprised by that you must be new to the show
3: i got to be honest if you listen to this and enjoy it we love you i can't hear yeah, our kind of us.
1: people no question that about does i do
0: not say any good things about you but you're <laughs> our kind of people and That's with right. that we declare emergency off
4: mm.
0: we uh, of course would love i would love to now suggest a new um bridge box segment where I just uh, pull clips of old Macho Man Randy Savage promos, Thank you. and quote out the spiritual, uh, just the spiritual depth contained within.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Because sometimes you got to snap into it.
1: Yeah, that's right. As if
0: it were a jerked beef product.
2: That's correct. And and, and dear listener, Matt could do that for a long time. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, the Matt, like, Matt's wrestling knowledge is deep.
0: It's pretty deep. Like the, the sermons in the bridge box are ten minutes. That's our bridge time. Uh, Our Bible study, you know, is is a couple pages. It's a nice intro. This would be a 5,000-word dissertation (laughs) every week in how the true wisdom in overcoming your insecurities lies in embracing the wisdom of the American Dream Dusty Rhodes. He's a common
1: man. As you hear Matt talking with this much in-depth knowledge of professional wrestling, he has a woman yeah I, an I, amazing christian woman so, really amazing
0: who, and she's smart yeah like really got, really like an smart impressive degree and a real job oh
1: she is a total smarty pants
0: two th- two things about that dear listener one uh god can do a miracle for you that's, as well that's what i'm talking <laughs> also, about uh my My girlfriend is a listener to the podcast, and I'm not sure I've mentioned the wrestling thing yet, so we're
1: going to Stay tuned. That's what you call a cliffhanger right there. That is a
0: Game of Thrones level cliffhanger. Yeah. Because someone might end up in a cast out into the cold after this. If Matt
1: has a meeting from the podcast, all is well. Oh, that's going to make me so happy. If he dies, he he dies.
0: You're all the worst.
1: Yes. (laughs) <laughs> Meanwhile,
0: Bridgebox, I was in the middle of the Bridgebox plug yeah. uh, The thing that pays for our deacons program or We have our part-time employees who uh, help out the people With the, the addiction recovery and the finding the housing And writing ledgers to prisoners and all that uh, we, we took a little detour to, to make, make my life worse so. yeah. yeah, I'm sure the listeners enjoyed that MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox Still in the month of April Still looking at the question of how do I know if I'm making a difference Lots of great stuff about that Again, the address is MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox we're going to move to our first question here. If else, all the way to the end or scroll down, you'll find the links to get in touch with us yourself. Our first question comes in anonymously, and it says, I'm trying to get things together, but I feel discouraged when I'm doing fine one minute and the next, everything is failing. All this has me down on myself. And Glenn, I think this is a, uh, this kind of dealing with the inconsistency and the ups and downs. We, as we might put it right in the roller coaster, something we can all relate to. So how do we go about not letting that get us down?
1: Well, it, I think we can all relate to this. I mean, yeah. uh, I think you know part of what we've talked about occasionally on the podcast is this idea of uh, trying to tell ourselves a story about who we are and what we are, what kind of Christian we are, and then trying to live out that story, uh, to have a narrative. And we're, it's like we're— we we've come up with our christian biography now we just have to live it out and write it down and we're 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 there i don't think that's a good way to go about things because what we end up doing is uh falling short of that ideal that we put in our in our minds uh and it feels like i have utterly failed to become the thing that i built up in my mind that i was going to be right and the thing is uh, the the thing that you've built up in your mind that the kind of Christian you, that you want to be the uh, biography that you've written in your mind that eh, pretty much stinks there's nothing to that don't be that person because god has bigger and cooler and more interesting and more in-depth mm. things than in all of that uh, all of that has to do with a way to feel about yourself the thing is if you pursue a life of serving God, you are going to make other people feel amazing, and that's going to change how you see yourself utterly in every way, and in, in, in ways that you can't even imagine now. So don't start imagining what that will be. Live into it and explore it and see it for yourself. Um, I think when we when we write that narrative, so to speak, and we're trying to live up to that, we we make promises to ourselves and we get angry about that. we were we were talking about this at the bridge. And um you know, part of I think the this process of making promises to ourselves has to do with not forgiving yourself for your past. And uh the thing about forgiveness is it's unconditional. Uh trust is completely conditional, but love and forgiveness, that's unconditional. In other words, if you Forgive someone, I say, I- I'm going to forgive you as long as X, and then the forgiveness will take hold or something like that's That's not how that goes. It, it, you take into account that this person has been wrong. That's what I'm forgiving here. So uh, when we have let ourselves down, uh, at times we can look at that person in the mirror and say, hey, take me back, I'm never going to do this again. <laughs> you know I'm I'm making a promise. I'm making a bargain here. Take me back I'll never do this again. If you take yourself back so to speak uh in that situation, that's conditional. That's not an unconditional love that you have for yourself. That's not a forgiving of yourself. And if you move forward in that, if you're trying to build your walk on that, man, uh, is that going to go really poorly really quick. Uh this is about recognizing that Christian life is about recognizing there's always ups and downs there's always failure there's always struggle but the thing is do we learn from that do we get stronger because we figured out what was going on there and we learned how to overcome that and we can help other people overcome it the the christian life is not about this unbroken record of good performance amen it's it's about growing closer to god and learning our way and, uh, through all these crazy mistakes and bad things that happen to us
0: absolutely right i think it's a really fantastic place to start off and Leah, i'd love to go to you here um because i think one of the things that's probably going on here a little bit is a lack of balance but our friend says you know i'm things are good one minute and bad the next minute and i always end up feeling bad mm-hmm. so you're it sounds like we're really only acknowledging one step of that seesaw which is perfectly natural but how do we move past yep. that
2: yeah, that, that's a great way to set that up, because one of the things that you find with with folks who uh, have a propensity to feel bad about themselves when things don't go bad is that when things go well, they don't have any idea what to do with that, um, because sometimes things go yeah. well. Yeah. And, and so I, I have a question, which is, when was the last time you threw a party when you did something awesome? When was the last time you, uh, you know, met or exceeded expectations and some goal you had set or some something you wanted to go a certain way or something that you were hoping in and it happened and, and you and, you know, and you bought yourself some ice cream, uh, rented a movie that you're hype about seeing and invited over a friend and just said, we're throwing a party because I uh, did X or I accomplished this or I met this goal or whatever. In other words, when things go well, as they sometimes actually do, do you know how to celebrate that? Do you feel, uh, do you feel the freedom to throw yourself a party when you're awesome? Uh, no, the, the enemy of your soul has two lies that he wants to sell you on. One of them is you're awesome and you should think that you're the most awesome person ever and you're never anything but awesome. That's not true. And we all kind of know that, but we have a, we, we have a, we, we want to believe that there's a part of us that wants to believe that and wants to say that everybody else sucks. But his other thing that he wants to sell you on, if he can't sell you on that is you suck all the time, every, in every situation, in every way, you totally, totally suck. You're the suckiest person that ever sucked. Um, and so th- that's not true either. Sometimes things fall apart, and sometimes sometimes things are awesome. Do you feel the freedom to say, "This went really well, and I want to throw a party over that um so I, I think, like Matt's saying, we need to have some balance sometimes you 're going to feel crummy because things didn 't go the way you wanted, but when things go well are 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 we taking time to to have some real intentional expressed gratitude and a party and some fun and some some uh high five yourself over that whole thing and recognize it. That that's that's one question I have. I have another question on this though too, and I have this question um because I see it in in the wild, and that is do we really have a failure here or do we have a a situation where When compared to the so-called perfect life of somebody else, we have something different. That's a really important question. I'm going to ask that again. Are we looking at an actual failure here? We may be. We may be looking at an actual failure. Or are we looking at you are a little different from somebody else, and you're comparing your life to them, and they seem like they're perfect? That's a really important thing. We are so susceptible to comparison that when we are a little bit different than somebody else, we, our automatic thing is, I must be wrong. They're different from me. They're probably right, and they seem pretty confident in it and all that kind of stuff, and they posted about it on the Instagram and everything. So they, they must be right, which means that since I'm different, I must somehow, obviously, be wrong we well, may not be wrong at all you may be different different is not necessarily wrong and that's an important question and we need to get good at the discernment of i'm not i'm not bound by comparison in calling everything about me that's different a failure everything that's different about me something that's wrong i need to get and we need to get good at this we need to get good at celebrating when things go well And I think that Glenn's exactly right. We we need to look at failures as opportunities. That that stuff's important, man. And that that's that's a big deal. But we also need to have the discernment to say that some of the things I've called failures are not actually failures, just different. Yeah. And different's cool, man. I mean, we need different. We 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 don't need everybody to be the exact same thing. I I would love to see more people comfortable in their differentness. Um, you know, and if we need to set some goals and set, and and set some, some bite-sized goals and all that kind of stuff, that that's totally, totally cool. But I do want us to be able to step back and, 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 you know, uh, change the aperture of the lens so that we can say, maybe this is a failure, but maybe I'm just a little bit different than this person who's, uh, posting their so-called perfect life, uh, which may not be perfect at all
0: that's really really sharp i think and lee I'd love you to close out here um another thing at least kind of talking us through this idea of the, the emotion about this maybe not leading us to an accurate yeah. portrayal of things which is how you get in that cycle kind of you know a bad thing happens therefore everything is bad therefore i am bad and now you know we're we're staring into the void is it also possible that um we're not looking at ups and downs Uh, in a kind of a a long enough lens here to get an accurate sense of what's going on.
3: I think it's very possible. And I definitely want to pick up exactly where Lee left off in the question you wrote. And this is a great question. We're really glad that you wrote in, uh, but you said, I I feel discouraged because I'm doing fine one minute and the next minute. Everything is failing. Dude, not much in life really works that way. Um, I mean, not, not really. Now here's the thing. Your mood can change that fast. Mine certainly is capable of changing it fast, but Not many things, particularly big picture important things, go from perfectly fine to disaster just like that. So I think it's worth asking, is it possible that it's not so much that your situation is swinging back and forth on a pendulum, but that your mood is? Because these are two different problems. It's not that it's a less important problem, but it is a different problem. Let me give an example of what I mean. Suppose you want to bake a cake. So you, you mix up the batter and you put it in a cake pan and you put it in the oven. Now you got about an hour, give or take, depends on the cake, but it's going to be in there for an hour. And that cake is baking the whole time. The only thing that really matters is, is this cake done and I can eat it or not, right? And given that, up until about, you know, 59 minutes, the answer is no, it is it is not done and I cannot eat it. So, you know, it's there's not really a state change, but it's coming along. It's getting there. Well... How hungry you are during that very, during that hour could vary quite a little bit. And so you could go from feeling perfectly fine with this process and, yep, everything's going great, to feeling like this is the worst cake baking experience <laughs> I've ever had and it's awful and terrible. Not that anything's changed with the cake or the right. process or the inevitability of the outcome, just but I'm more hungry now than I was at the start of this process and it feels like something's gone terribly wrong. All right. You can see how that would work. And it almost sounds like a silly example, except we do that to ourselves all the time, man. We really, really do, where we kind of check in with our feelings to inform us how things are going. And that's a really bad idea uh, for a lot of reasons. But one is your feelings don't know how things are going in your life because that's not how feelings work. It's not that your feelings aren't important. They are. It's not that you should ignore them. You shouldn't. It's just they are not trying to give you clinical analytical guidance on no, your status there's no wisdom in the feelings there's no wisdom in the feelings there's not there's not even any uh, just accuracy in the feelings um it's it's just feelings and so i think one of the things that that is an important growth skill this is not at all about dismissing your feelings oh they don't matter it's not like that but it's about saying let me have some objective metrics in my life that can help me have a sense of how I'm doing regardless of how I feel at any given moment. Because just as it would be bad to declare that you're failing when you're not because you're feeling say so, it would also be bad to declare that you're succeeding when you're not because you're feeling say though. That might feel a little bit less likely, but that's really more a personality thing. If you think hard, I bet you've known people who really felt like they were rocking it (laughs) <laughs> when they really weren't right. It it feels more common to feel like you're falling short when you're not really. But again, that cuts both ways. I think as we grow and we mature and we get wisdom, one of the things we look for, are what are in my situation, the objective things I can look at to tell me how I'm actually doing regardless of feelings. So I can, I can have a, a sense of, of what I'm dealing with. You know, This question sounds a lot like the questions we get asked working with people in addiction recovery. So if I was dealing with a person in addiction recovery, one of the objective measures I might look at is, are you housed currently? You've had a lot of time in your life where you weren't. Are you housed currently? Because if you are, your situation has improved a lot and you're actually doing way better than you have been and you could be doing. That doesn't mean there's not room for further improvement and it certainly doesn't mean you're not allowed to have a bad mood because you definitely are. But it does mean objectively things have improved and they are pointed in a better direction and we need to anchor ourselves to some of those objective truths.
0: I think it's a really, really strong point. And to to dig into that just a little bit deeper on one po- point you're making there, it's it really is a lesson that I've learned about my own life from working with, with folks who are going through like a real, real hard time, be that addiction, recovery, homelessness, uh, being in prison, which is there's a thankfulness element to that that is amazing. But as Jed is pointing out, that thankfulness isn't a panacea. Yep. It's just finding more things to be thankful about, finding more wins to celebrate, as Lee's talking about. There are uh, plenty of people over the bridge who will have a bad day at their minimum wage ish job, and they live, you know, in a recovery center in a, a room with eight bunk beds in it. A lot of this is not great, but the perspective of I am sober and I live indoors, which as Jed points out, and a lot of these people's lives has not always been the case, and I have a job and I'm saving up and I'm this all. What that all adds up to is forward motion. Yup. It doesn't right. mean you're not allowed to have a bad day or a bad attitude about any one thing, but you look for all these little indicators of victories, not to say, well, I'm happy about A, so I can't be sad about B, but to say there's clear forward motion in all these things, and that's what I'm going to try to. And it's a process. It's something growing. Some have better days in than others. Uh, that's what I'm going to try to kind of take my emotional cues off of is the overall arc of this thing. And not as Glenn would put it, ride that roller coaster with every little up and down. It's a much healthier place to be in the long run. Okay. We're going to move on to our second question here. It comes into our email inbox and it says, I'm in to place in my life where I struggle a lot with indecisiveness as well as how to know when it's God or me that wants something in my life. Years ago, I joined up with a mission and after completing my discipleship training and then three months of out." Three months of outreach in a foreign country, I ended up staying and did missions there on and off for a couple of years. I've been living in the States now a little over two years and every day my mind is still thinking about over there. I wouldn't say that I have a calling exactly, but I do have a big soft spot in my heart for this particular place. And Lee, I I like this question a lot. I think it's a very interesting one to look at someone who's saying, I actually am not to the point of a, of calling yet. We talked about calling on the show and it's, it's, it's a big hairy idea. And it's one we talked about this idea of, I just kind of have a soft spot, and I don't know how to start cycling through all these feelings I have before we get there. So where would we start with the beginning on this?
2: Yeah, I think this is a great question. And, and I don't know, but for some reason, when, when I read this, I had a lot of faces in my mind. I, I've worked with a lot of young people who have, who have gotten involved in different you know, kinds of outreach, specifically uh, with you know, my experience with Young Life. Um, which is an outreach ministry to high school kids, sometimes middle school kids or college kids or different kinds of uh, of young people, and there there are people who will kind of come into this ministry for a little while. They'll be really fired up about it, and then they'll feel like they need to step away from it, and then they and then they kind of miss it and they're looking for something like that again and so when i and I don't know if that's what's going on or if it's something related to that but but when I read your question, I had this kind of squeeze on my heart with and and just certain faces in my mind of people I've known throughout the years who have who have taken a step in a ministry stepped back for one reason or the other and then kind of missed that or wondered is the lord calling me back to that or I've got a soft place for it um and And because of the the experiences that I've had with folks who have done this kind of thing before, I, I I, I really have a burden on my heart to say to you, whatever you're going through and whatever decision you're trying to make, let's start here. God's not mad at you. Because you walked away from a ministry or you or you changed plans or you you left this country or you you 're not doing the exact same outreach anymore let 's say another thing because and i 'm saying this out of the experience of so many people that i 've talked to who have done a thing for a while and then changed the direction of their life or or, or stepped away from something else. The plan of God. <laughs> To to save people and love people and move into people's lives, that thing did not fall off the rails because you decided to do something different or you took, a, you, know, you know, because you took a different path for a little while. You have not shut down the eternal plan of God and now there's not people that are, you know, lost forever because you did this thing. I, I just want to, it's just on my heart to say that to you because I've known so many people who have you know for whatever reason that you know I, I need to step away from this ministry or this particular type of serving for a little while, and then they would just wind up feeling so terrible about themselves. And so let's start here. God loves you. He loves you right now where you are today. He loves you, and He's got a will for your life. But it, it and it may be that He's gonna call you back into some kind of outreach or evangelism or something like that but he also just has uh, you know, something for you today. Maybe he's got somebody that he wants you to pray for or somebody he wants you to write a note to or call or hang out with or go to the movies with or something like that. Let's start small. Let's start with this. God's not mad at me. God loves me. And he's got something for me to do actionable today. And if I were to just kind of tap into that, there's something that I could do today that 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 Jesus has in mind for me, and, and I can get after that. I, I think that sometimes we get bogged down with this idea of calling, that there's one huge thing that my life is about. And unless I'm aiming at that thing with all I've got, then my life is a total waste, and I'm a total disappointment to God, and I'm totally derailing all the eternal plans Of God, and I'm I'm screwing up the whole thing. I've thrown a monkey wrench into the entire salvation plan of the world. Uh, Let's cancel all that out. You um, you are loved right now today. There's something cool that Jesus has for you to do, maybe with somebody that's around you, somebody that lives on your floor, somebody that, that works in the coffee shop that you go to, somebody that you hang out with on a regular basis, just some little need that you can meet. Maybe right now, even as you're listening to this, there's just a squeeze on your heart for somebody that you can just pray about. Let's do that. Let's start real small. Let's start real small and know that God loves that little stuff. He, he, he lives in that little stuff. He, he, he's, he's aware of every single hair that's on your head, every sparrow that falls to the ground. You're, you haven't derailed anything and you're not in trouble. Let's start there. And, and then we can start to kind of figure out where do we go next and, and how do we think about calling and how do we think about uh, outreach and ministry and that whole thing. But let's, let's start with that perspective.
0: I think that's a very, very good place to start this whole conversation. It's it's important to keep things like that in mind as we move on. And Glenn, I'd love to get you here because um, there's uh, – obviously, I think the place we want to land on this is you got to listen to the Lord. But yeah. that, that is a process, and that's something that a lot of times, if, that, if you're new to that, you have to get up to speed on that for you to yeah. make big life decisions on that. So. What what is some meantime stuff we can do while we're while we're figuring out the kind of bigger questions here?
1: Well, it's a good question. I, as you say, you know, uh, you know, there's not a good substitute for listening to the Lord. We want we want you to hear from Him on that. Ultimately, what we want to do, in fact, is get all this stuff out of the way that may be pulling you, sort of exerting a pull in a direction that that has nothing to do with God. You know, that just uh, worries, fears, concerns, all the stuff that uh, Lee was just talking through of, you know, feeling like you've somehow are out of step with God or whatever those things are. Um, If you have a desire to serve the Lord somewhere, and the only thing that you haven't figured out on that is where, you're 99% of the way to being on track (laughs) with the Lord, so you have nothing to feel bad about there. Um. I, you know, I talk to a lot of people about their calling, and geography comes up a lot. And I don't know if that's really the right place to start. Um, I think it's more important to know what type of ministry that you want to do. So that's youth ministry. That's uh, a prison ministry. That might be working with older people. That might be doing uh, praise and worship type stuff, whatever it is, if you know what that is, it doesn't make a whole lot of difference where you do that. Right. Uh, and uh, the reality is uh, the Lord may want to move you around a bit. So if you if you hear one geographical location, and then you fixate on that and say, well, I'm there, so I must be on track with the Lord, uh, that's, uh, that doesn't really work that way uh a you may not be doing what you're supposed to be doing there and b he may want you somewhere else next week so you know there's that uh so i don't think it's about you know the the you know whether you're supposed to be here or whether you're supposed to be there i think the the thing that you need to be thinking is missions versus church if you're a missionary you went to on to the mission field and you found a love for missions ministry I think that's a thing for you to acknowledge and absorb, and if you look at the ministry in your church and it doesn't excite you in the same way, that's because missions and church ministry are chalk and cheese. They're not the same thing. Uh, we want to say that we're all preaching the, the same gospel, and we are. We, uh, uh, some missionaries want you to understand that churches are the end result of missions activities, so they're related in that specific sort of way, and I, that's a valid way of looking at that. Uh, but I think it's about letting the Lord l- evolve you through these things, that that uh, to see your calling as a thing that is meant to be a journey through different uh, places where you're called to, in different mm. circumstances that you're called to, uh give you an example I, you know i started off in, in in juvenile prison ministry and if anyone listening to this has worked with high school youth you know there is no way to fake your way through that you have to actually be good at that to make <laughs> that work uh, especially if you're talking in a large group context if you're doing preaching uh to which is you know what i was doing uh when i was starting with juveniles Now I'm going to take you from high school youth to high school youth inside a prison facility (laughs) in a large, you know, you know, you know, a hundred, 200 persons are in this room. Now I'm, I'm meant to preach to this group of uh, high school males. Uh, And uh, I believe me, Uh, I was not awesome at that right away, and uh, believe me, it took a lot uh, of change and growth and transformation for me to be able to do that, but there was a point where the way things were going in that mission field, it made perfect sense for for that to evolve into working with adults, and I made the amazing discovery that moving to working with adults was a lot easier once I had already knew how to work with juveniles. So the Lord had me work with juveniles in order to prepare me to work with adults. If if it had worked if if I'd done that in a reverse order it would have been a disaster. I need to learn what that order is. I need to follow that order. I need to let the Lord take me through different things. So if if you're in a position where you uh, uh love this country and love the people in this country and you you still feel sort of a a, a warm uh, a warm love for that that memory and those people. Let's let's first of all nail down that may be really a love for missions. Let's also nail down that that culture may have certain elements in it that you understood and you were able to minister through that culture specifically. And are there other cultures that have that? Are there people from that country where you went and, and ministered to them? Are there people in that country in your country where you live now? Are there, mm-hmm. there might be immigrants or something like that. And they may need a lot of ministry. They may That may be a way that you can uh, continue this work. But look for the evolution of what it is you're doing, rather than, I went to a place, and I like that, and then I'm not in that place, so it must be something wrong.
0: I think it's a very, very smart way to look at that. And it really is an issue of getting down to some, some, as we talk about a lot on the show, some some practical definitions and some realities if we're going to look to go forward in a practical way. But Jed, I think at the point we're talking about here, we don't necessarily have to get into nuts and bolts right now. Mm -hmm. There needs to be some, 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 uh, some imagination, some engaging, some possibilities. And I wonder if in a way Sticking in the indecisiveness and doing some jumping back and forth actually stops us from doing that imagination work as well
3: I think that 's really true, man. Both Glenn and Lee have given you some great advice i 'd like to just give you a thought experiment, which is it 's really cool that you want to do what God wants you to do that 's a cool thing and, and no doubt God is honored by that. but uh listening to the Lord is a process and and discerning is a process and and nobody jumps from zero to hundred on that, so in the spirit of that a thought experiment for you. If God appeared to you on a cloud and said, I will back your play, whatever you want to do, do that. And I'll go with you and we'll do it together. And it'll be great. Just suppose that for a second. What would you want to do? Right. And to that end, what's wrong with just starting with that soft spot that you have and going from there? What, what would be deficient about that? What, what would be wrong about that? You know, I think, A lot of folks really struggle with this idea of, I have to figure out exactly what God has for me, and then, having figured that out, I will go and do exactly that thing.
1: Right. Yeah, at the very least, it it would be a bad attitude to say, I'm going to do nothing until I know exactly what it is, as opposed to, as you're saying... Do something you have a heart to do. Exactly right. And then just letting the Lord steer you from there.
3: Exactly right. Exactly right. And let's, you know, you didn't necessarily bring them up, but let's look at a couple of common struggles people have in Syria. The first is the fear that your desires are selfish. Dude, everybody's desires are selfish. You're a human <laughs> being. There, there's no such thing as a wholly unselfish desire on your part. So we need to let that go. Um, the second thing is... To create a thing where the jerkiest jerk you know says the jerkiest thing they could possibly say to you, and what would your answer be? Right? Like, you just, you just want to go on vacation, have people pay you to be on vacation in a foreign land. And just That's what you want to do. Who cares? Who cares what that guy thinks? You don't have All to right. answer that. But the number of people that we've dealt with where they've invented something their awful pseudo-friends would say, and they're afraid, just don't worry about it. People, certain number of people are going to say encouraging things. Certain number of people can going to say awful things. Don't worry about it. You don't, you don't have to answer to all that nonsense. I want to link to something that, that Glenn said for a second, because it relates directly to this. Think about stuff you just like doing. Let's kind of unspiritualize this for a second. You know, we, we talk to a lot of folks when they're going through a rough time and, um, you know, one of the questions that we generally get around to asking is just what makes you feel alive, man? What, what's life giving for you? And, and that's different for everybody. You know, for some people, it's I just love getting together with my friends and just hanging out and watching a movie and having a good time. For other people, I, I like sitting in my room playing guitar. For other people, I, I like to get up in the morning and, and, and go for a hike. And the question that we always ask is, okay, well, how much of that do you actually do? And the answer, shockingly, the vast majority of the time is, oh, hardly any, hardly any, hardly ever. Why? If you've got these things that, that give you a sense of life and give you a sense of joy and give you a sense of fullness, why aren't you doing them?
2: Mm-hmm. What,
3: do you, Do you have a good reason on that? Or is it just a fear that God doesn't really want you to be happy? And I think that's the thing that is really going on, not just for you, but for a lot of people, is a fear of God doesn't really have my back in all of this. God has one thing and only one thing, and anything that's not that, he will be displeased by. He's a cruel master, and (laughs) I have to get it exactly right, or he'll be bitterly disappointed and cast me out of Eden in the land of Nod. God's not like that, man. God wants you to have joy. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to have satisfaction. And He's calling you to join him in his work, not because he needs you to do it. He's God. He can do anything. You know, he can. The, the rocks themselves will cry out. He's calling you to join him in his work because he wants you to have the joy and the satisfaction of being a part of it. He wants you to have the, the fulfillment of being a part of, of his work. But in a weird way, I think that when we're willing to, in a humble way, begin to take a hold of fulfillment in a holistic sense in our lives it makes things better and it makes things easier find that stuff that's life-giving to you whether it's going for the hike or watching the movie or whatever figure out how to share it with people if you do that you are doing ministry You are including people. You are helping them experience God's love. If you've got a particular group or kind of people you have a soft spot for, include those people. Put those two things together, make sure they happen regularly, and start figuring out how to listen to the Lord. Say, I want to go where you're sending me, I just need to figure out how to hear you on all that. You put all these things together, you have no idea how much God's going to use you or how quickly it's going to turn into really cool, amazing stuff. Keep your head up. We got your back. We believe in you.
0: That's all really fantastic stuff you've heard from all these guys. And one more thing, I'd like to say, just throw it out there, and it really goes back to what Elise where Lee started us off. This idea of someone saying, you know, I'm not sure about a calling, but I've got a soft spot, or some people might say a tug of my heart, or any of that. Nothing wrong with that. That's and that's not inferior to a calling. You know, everyone, your life has a calling. It may not be to go back to this country. It might be something else, uh, and you may still have a soft spot for this country. You know, uh, there's tons of ways to support other people doing things there. There's maybe there's a population of immigrants from people in that country who live in the city you live in. Now there's lots of ways to either as, as just kind of, kind of start down a road that might end up somewhere else, but it might not, it might be a good thing all on its own. And that's part of having a, a rich full life. We don't want to get caught in this idea where as kind of just point to God wants us all in or all out on everything. Cause he's You can't really live a life that way where you are only one thing, only do one thing. Let's say you you went to India and you thought it was great and now you live in a city like Chicago that has actually a large Indian population uh, where there are people doing that. That's a way for you to use if you have language skills or cultural skills. There's probably a church in that neighborhood that would love to have someone who knows a song to teach the kids or whatever. So this, as all these guys are saying, that pressure of I don't know if I have it in me to get on a plane and take everything to do it or not. So that's probably bad. they don't have to do that today. Could it up there, but you could start having a real impact for things with all this and work towards that soft spot tomorrow. All right, we move on to our final question here. This is also the topic for our April, 2019 bridge box. This is the uh, topic for that. As we preach on it at the bridge, it says I'm trying to help people where I can, but I never feel like I know if it's really making a difference. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Should I just keep trying anyway? And Jed, love to get you to kick us off. Right on.
3: Well, I think when we're wondering about this, I think one of the things that we can run into and you and can kind of play games with our heads is that I think we're reluctant to think about helping in smart ways. Because I, I think we kind of want to say, look, help is help and love is love. And just we shouldn't judge it. We shouldn't analyze it. We should just, it's good and we should let it be. And there is for sure a point in there uh, that that makes sense. There's a, a concern in there that's that's valid. But to not even necessarily to push back on that idea, but to, to um, look at the other side of the coin, certainly. Yes, it is good to help people full stop. It is good to love people, full stop, and, and it just, you know, we, we trust God will do something with it, so it just, you know, it just doesn't make any difference. But on the other side of that coin, you have limited time and resources. In any given day, there's far more people who want some form of help from you than you have help available to give. I mean, that's an unavoidable consequence of living in a fallen world. There's far more people who you could help with your time or your money or your attention or your energy than you have time or money or, or energy or attention to give. With that in mind, we have to figure out some way to decide who's getting your help and who's not. God does own the cattle on a thousand hills. He does have infinite resources, but you are not him. So we've, in some way, we probably ought to decide how we're going to choose who we help, right? Well, with that in mind, one of the things that's always a really good place to start, and that Christians struggle with a lot, is go for the easy wins, man. Go for the low-hanging fruit. Nice. Christians, I think, struggle so often. We're talking about this actually maybe two or three episodes ago, that, that Christians have a tendency to want to pick whatever the hardest possible thing is. I'm going to start there, and then that will be proof that something really amazing happened. Because I picked, I started by climbing Mount Everest, and then I climbed it. And A, that's how we know God was involved, and B, that's how we know I'm an amazing mountain climber, so you should all be deeply impressed. And you can kind of see what's wrong with that. Um, it makes sense that people would would feel that way, but I think the thing that happens a lot and it it relates to the question here is actually, very rarely do you end up climbing Everest. You get about you know a day into it, and you feel super discouraged. you say, "I hate this, and it's awful," and then you stop doing that. And we don't want to see that happen to you when you instead focus on things that are ready to win it's fruit that's ready to be picked you know it's it 's right there it just needs a little push uh, it 's actually a much better experience for you and for the other people involved so when you think about helping people, what would that be what what is an easy win what is the low hanging fruit there the thing that we would encourage you to look at is focusing on people who are already in the motion of improving their own situation suppose that you had two people and um, they're, they're equally needy. They got a lot of struggles. They, they got a lot of problems. You know, maybe they're, they're kind of down and out. One guy, he's actively trying to find a job. He's going, he's filling out job applications. He's going to uh, job service agencies. He's really working at it. Um, he doesn't have a suit for the interviews. That's going to be kind of a problem, but he's, he's invested in the motion of figuring this out. The other guy's just sitting on the couch 18 hours a day. Well, in a sense, both of them are equally needy. I mean, they do both desperately need a job and they both need a suit if they're going to go to an interview.
0: Sure. Everybody needs a good couch suit.
3: (laughs) The finest in men's tailoring. But the one guy really needs a suit. The other guy will someday need a suit. So if you have a free suit, it would be really weird to give it to the dude who's on the couch as opposed to the dude who's actively invested in the process of lining up job interviews, right? One of those guys is already trying to improve his situation, which means the help that you have to give would almost certainly do a lot more than it's... If you gave the guy on the couch a suit, there's a chance he'd be grateful for it, but hey, free suit, that's pretty sweet. But would it help him very much? Well, probably not, probably not in the the short term. I mean, yeah, there's a chance that he looks, it's such a good suit. He's like, you know what? The suit inspires me. I've been waiting for something to be like a sign that it was time for a change, and that's what this suit is for me. Because it's double-breasted, that's how I know it's time to turn my life around.
0: there's also a chance he just takes that suit and wipes the hot pocket residue off his mouth with it, because it was free. Yep. And that's, if you, and you know what, if
3: you've got infinite suits, well, hey, give one to everybody. And if he hot pockets it, well, these things happen. But if you only have one suit, we should probably give it to the guy that's getting ready to take the job interviews. If you focus on people that are already in that motion of improving their own situation and say, that's where I'm going to start. When I run out of people that are already improving their own situation, then I'll figure out the next tier of people I'm going to help. But I'm going to start there. Not only will it be desperately needed and and gladly taken hold of help you're going to see it have a real impact and you're going to enjoy that process which is going to encourage you to keep going and help yet more people
0: that is a really really fantastic place to start this off Leah, i'd love to get to you here um yep. uh, there's a story in the bible that uh, when we did preach this at the uh, the bridge uh, i had to uh send in a second verse because all four of our pastors were putting in the same verse um, wow. And it's uh, talking about Mark 4, and it was all about, it's all about farming, it's all about the seed. But I think it's a very, very important uh, topic as we look at this thing. And what does uh, Jesus' teaching in that parable tell us about this?
2: What Jesus says is that uh, there was a, a guy that was, was farming, and he was sowing seed, and he said, uh, day or night, whether he sleeps or gets up, all by itself, the seed produces the, the plant. It, it grows the fruit. You know, whether or not he's awake or asleep, the the farmer doesn't even know how that process happens. He just reaps a harvest. Um, Now, one of the things that this tells us about ministry is Jesus knows things that he is doing that we don't know. We don't know when he's going to do it. We don't know how he's going to do it. We don't know what word or what little service or what little thing was going to be the thing that made it click for for you know this person or that person. Real quick as a disclaimer, this doesn't mean in ministry we have no idea what's happening at any time, so we should never make any tactics or strategies or plans. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Strategy and tactics and that's an important thing. And exactly as Jed's saying, it is an important thing to think about the fact that I have finite resources. So I want to put those resources towards areas where I've got a better chance of, of reaping harvest. That's all super, super important. And by the way, one of the ways that you can know that you're called to ministry is that the idea, just the idea of thinking through ministry strategy and tactics is to you like dessert. Like if that's milk and cookies for you, you know that you're probably called into ministry. The the four guys on this podcast, we would love nothing more than to order a cheeseburger right now and talk through some ministry strategy for something that nobody has ever figured out how to do. We we love that kind of stuff. That is that is milk and cookies. That's dessert. We just we're hoping for that conversation. That doesn't mean we're not looking at we're not looking at strategy or tactics. What that does mean is that when I get involved in ministry stuff, I'm not always going to see the results I'm looking for at the time that I'm looking for them. It it means that I'm not always going to see everything that Jesus is up to. Here's a newsflash. Jesus is way smarter than I am. And he has all kinds of cool stuff in the works, in the hopper. He knows when it's going to come out, and he knows when it's going to work, he knows the way that it's going to work, he knows what little piece he's going to use, which little conversation click this person over into, you know, belief, all that kind of stuff. He's he's always growing stuff. And in the end, we look back on it and say, "Man, I just never knew" It was that moment, or it was that song, or it was that prayer, or it was that car ride, or it was that whatever I mean the number of times that we've heard people say, You know, uh you didn't know it at the time, but it was this little moment right here I, I was in the uh we were doing a prison chapel last month. And my and uh, my wife happened to be wearing a, a Young Life t-shirt and a dude came up to her and he was like, H- you're involved in, in Young Life. And she was like, yeah, yeah. My husband is a volunteer leader. And he said, do you know so-and-so? And she was like, I don't know. And so he asked me, he was like, do you know so-and-so? And I was like, yeah. And he said, that's the dude that led me to Jesus. And I was like, for real? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, well, I'm friends with that guy. And he was like, hey, man, look, I... I, I You know, I walked away from the Lord. I made some terrible choices. I wound up in here, but I'll never forget the night he said this thing, and that's the night I met Jesus. And would you tell him when you leave here tonight that I'm walking with the Lord today? And I was like, dude, not only will I tell him, but he's going to flip his lid when he finds out. And I talked to the dude later, and he did. I mean, he was like, I had no idea, but that dude was so special to me. In other words, Jesus told this story as a way to say, man, I'm up to stuff. You don't know what it's going to be. You don't see the results right now. Keep going. Keep going. I'm growing stuff. I'm growing stuff in my way. In my time, you're not always gonna know what it is. That doesn't mean don't strategize. That doesn't mean don't be smart. It means keep going even when you don't see the results right now. That's one thing that I would say on the keep going front. I would say another thing on the keep going front. Even when it feels like nothing's growing, the reaching out benefits you. It makes you happy to serve, it makes you happy and fulfilled. And with a, with a new purpose to serve people in, in a way that nothing else can. And, and if you don't believe me, serve somebody and find out what it does to you today. So that's another thing I would say is go ahead and, and and keep stepping, keep going. Even when you don't see the harvest right now, Jesus is growing stuff that you can't see. And just the process of reaching out is going to give you something that, that, that is is sweeter and deeper and more satisfying than anything else you can find out there.
0: That's definitely been true in my experience. I think speak for all of us around the table, and I say that's definitely been the reality. We would often say that a, a bad day doing this to us is way better than a good day doing anything else. You bet. Um. So, Glenn, where, where would we land this? Because I think what these guys have said is all entirely right and uh really helpful. But we also uh what what we do in our work, what Lee does uh down at Triple C. Um, we want results. Um, we want movement. We want to see that part of that is because, you know, we want the people we're serving as lives to get better. Uh, part of that is at least sorry about taxes. We want to know what works. We want to know how to, how to move that along, but how do we, uh, fold that into looking for feedback, looking for, uh, handholds that aren't Oh my gosh! This person was bummed out, and I said a Bible verse, and then yeah. ta-da! And now I feel good about myself.
1: Well, you make a good point because ultimately, um, uh, this is this is one of those moments where I'm going to remind the listeners of this podcast. I am closing on three decades in ministry, and um, the thing about that is, it takes decades. To recognize the impact that you're having, uh, that creates a few problems. One, you can't wait decades for your ego to get boosted off of that, so that's Ew. that's not going to work. Uh, if, if you're trying to feel good about yourself based on your impact, you're going to be waiting too long, so that's that's not going to work. Um, but as you also point out, it's going to be hard for me to get enough immediate feedback for me to get a sense of, you know, am I on the right track or am I not? So I think the uh, part of this is about letting the Lord put it on your heart who he wants you to be with. As Jed said, there's there's a, a, a logic that will eventually present itself as to who really needs to be the priority here. And once you get into that thinking, it gets easier and easier. Give give me a quick example. Um I I had a buddy of mine and he had a brother uh, uh bless him he was he was he was not saved. He was actually a jockey, you know, like the horse racing, he was a jockey. And um uh, I met him and uh, I said, "Well, you know, so do you do you go to church the way your brother does?" And he says, "No, I don't go to church." And I said, "Why not?" And he said, "Well, I'm a cocaine addict and a degenerate gambler." <laughs> And I said, "Dude, you raise horses for a living. That's bad." And he says, "Yeah." I said, "Well, just so you know, the confession part—you're crushing it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're most of the way there well, now. I mean, well, I all these just, church
0: people would take us eight months to get where we are right now. I yeah, just met I
1: mean, you. Yeah, dude, you're you're you're—we've you're, diagnosed the problem. Uh, you don't know it. You're off to a great start here. You're 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 basically there." Uh, and you know, of course he laughed and stuff and, um, uh, he actually came to hear me preach, uh, uh, you know, you know, his brother was, was with him of course. Uh, but he, he came to hear me preach and he had a ball and I, I just like him as a dude. He's a good dude. Here's the thing. Uh, this guy is a ball of energy, never met a stranger. You could be, feel like your best buddies with him in five minutes Uh, You know, we all went out golfing. I think that's probably the most I ever laughed in in a golf round in my whole life.
0: Except when you play with me, but that's laughing at me, not with me. That's correct,
1: (laughs) yes. And uh, the thing is, no doubt in my mind, this dude is going to catch a gear. No doubt. He's going to find Jesus. He's going to do it in a very unique way. I have no doubt. But when he does, it's going to be amazing. No doubt in my mind whatsoever. And I am planting those seeds. Uh, bless him, he actually got uh, uh, knocked off his uh, mount there, his, his horse, and got trampled. He was in the hospital, broke darn near every bone in his body. And I'm there because I'm planting seeds here. That's what's happening. He's not ready now, and he's he, the, he's got way too much drugs in his system for this to be taken hold. But I'm there. I'm not investing huge amounts of time in him because he's not ready right now. But man, I'm planting those seeds. And that's what I really want you to look at. Don't ask yourself, is this planted seed going to bear fruit? That's the wrong way to ask this or evaluate this. Every seed that's planted bears fruit. Every one. It's going to do something somewhere sometime. I don't know how much. I don't know, whatever, whatever. The question is not, is the seed going to do what it's doing? Are you doing what you should be doing with the soil? Are you cultivating these relationships? Are you being a jerk? Are you being pushy? Are you being Are you being manipulative? Are you using fear or shame or guilt to present the message? That's what you need to be thinking about. Let me be better at being a a a, a loving, comforting person who is bringing good news. If you keep doing that, you're gonna you're gonna get to that place where you're putting good seed on good soil. And that is the key thing for you to look at, uh, as opposed to just, am I having an impact in my amazingness? Final thing, super fast, ask for advice. That's what we do. If you want to know the conversations we have back and forth with each other, it's so-and-so told me this. I didn't know what to say. I said this, what do you think? And we bounce that back and forth and that's how we figure things out. Uh, if you feel like you're, uh, if you feel like you're giving messages or doing preaching or what have you, you're not sure about that, uh, send us a recording. You can get, uh, you can email into the the podcast. Matt will give you that here in a second. Uh, send in the. This is part of what I do in my life is listen to uh, talks and sermons and stuff. I can give you feedback on that. I'd be happy to do that. Uh, we're all in this together, and we want you to know that uh, there's a way to improve this and get it. Uh, going in the right track right now
0: that's really really strong stuff and I, we definitely would encourage you to see that podcast at gmail.com if you have something you want to send to us we'd be happy to take a look at that one one thing i'll, I'll throw in at the end here and it's something we we, we talked we've talked about when we looked at this at the bridge and that is uh it kind of ties exactly into what glenn was saying there about the prioritization is looking at uh don't look down on easy wins yeah the, the the Bible says don't look down in small beginnings. I'm going to slightly alter that to so don't look down on easy ones. If it's yeah. go back to Jed's analogy, if the only thing standing between this guy and a job that's going to move him forward is you giving him a ride, that's great. You don't get extra points for taking someone from they don't want to get off the couch and you like make them get a job. Right? Church people can have a Christians have a weird thing of like we and we've all known that person who they got saved and they were on fire for the Lord and they were just going to make a project of the most busted bad attitude, having not doing anything family member they had. Mm-hmm. And as Glenn points out, it wasn't, I'm doing a thing anyway, hop in the car. Crazy, it was I, this, I'm doing this dude all day, every day until he gets saved. I can't be happy. That is not a, a good way to do things. It's not a good way to, it's going to say it's great to drop an encouraging word to someone to keep it low impact. As an example so we we do that with the people we work with the bridge. There are some guys like uh, our deacons or some of our very key guys who if they called, it's uh, as we record right now it is all closing on midnight central time. If there's a, a long list of guys and gals on the bridge, if any one of them called one of the guys on this podcast right now and said, I need a thing. I need it now. We'd hop in the car and go. Oh, yeah. Because we know they're, that's how much they're working on their, their stuff. That's how much credibility they built up with us. And it's no questions asked thing. There's also people who might to call and say, I need a thing now. And he'd say, well, we'll see you on Tuesday. If you <laughs> yeah, want to come right. down to yeah. where we already are and you, yeah. you show up cause you didn't show up last time and I'm not mad at you, but right. I'm, I'm not getting involved in that right now. And that's not that we love them any less. It's not, we want to see them do any less. it's That's that practical extent as what Glenn's saying. Like they're just not ready. They that's haven't right. shown the way this other person has. So why would we invest the same exact resource in them? That's not good for us. It's not good. Them. All right. If you have a question for us, say at podcast at gmail.com or thebridgechicago.tumblr.com if you want to keep that anonymous. And you can scroll down into the episode description for either of those addresses. We're going to tell you all the song this week. Pe- speaking of people who were invested in, we have told many times on this show about the amazing work our ladies do in their ladies' ministry with the bridge. Ooh. And this is a poem written by one of the gals from one of our recovery centers that the Poolhouse Guru insisted. On descending from his Himalayan fortress (laughs) And putting a beat to It is called Child of God Take out that, thanks for listening Just remember, we love you, God loves you There's nothing you can do about it
1: Another rejected sermon title Hey y'all, let's talk about circumcision (laughs) I'm a child of God
4: I'm a child of God I can bring home the praise And throw it up to the sky I can give all my love To my number one guy Cause I'm a child of God I'm a child of God, cause I'm a, child of God. I'm a child of God Yes I'm a child of God I can walk the streets to pass his word I can worship and be proud of what I've learned Cause I'm a, child of God. I'm a child of God Cause I'm a child of God Yes I'm a child of God I can be thankful for what he's done for me I can open my eyes so I can see what he sees Cause I'm a child of God, I'm a child of God,
1: Cause I'm a child of God.
4: Yes, I'm a child of God. I can live each day in a loving way. I can love you, cause I love me. I'm a child of God. I can love my father, cause he set me free. Cause I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. Cause I'm a child of God. a child of God. Yes, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God, I'm a child of God. 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 I can bring home the praise and throw it up to the sky. I can give all my love to my number one guy. I'm a child of God. Cause I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. Cause I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. Yes, I'm a child of God. I can walk the streets to pass his word. I'm a child of God. I can worship and be proud of what I've learned. I'm a child of God, cause I'm a child of God. God.
1: Cause I'm a child of
4: God, yes I'm a child of God. I can be thankful for what he's done for me. I can open my eyes so I can see what he sees. Cause I'm I'm a child of God, cause I'm a child of God. Yes, I'm a child of God. I can live each day in a loving way. I can love you cause I love me. I'm a child of God. I can love my father, cause he set me free. Cause I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. Cause I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. Yes, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I can live each day in a loving way.
1: I can love you cause I love me I'm a
4: child of God I can love my father cause he set me free Cause I'm a child of God Cause I'm a child of God Yes I'm a child of God I can live each day in a loving way I can love you cause I love me I'm a child of God I can love my father cause he set me free Cause I'm a child of God I'm a child of God Cause I'm a child of God I'm a child of God Yes, I'm a child of
1: God